there. Welcome to Shoot the Flick. I'm Frankie Sparks. And I'm Scott Eisenberg. And we are a married couple who like to shoot the shit about movies. That we do. That we do. And this week, we are watching yet another famous Tom movie. Although this time, it's not Tom Cruise, but Tom Hanks. Um, Scott, what movie did I introduce you to today? You introduced me to Big Released in 1988. So I feel like the last time we did a Tom Hanks movie, you introduced me to The Burbs and Green Mile. Yes. Uh, but this time I'm introducing you to a Tom Hanks movie. Oh my God. Which I was actually surprised you've never seen. Yeah, I'll, I guess because I know the general premise of it. I've always known like kid becomes adult <laughs> and you know the piano scene like... Right, the the piano scene is the most infamous scene. We'll definitely talk about that. But yeah, this is a movie that I watched a lot growing up. We had it on VHS, so it was it was played a lot in my youth. I was interested in rewatching it because I thought maybe as an adult, I would see things from a different perspective, um, and I did, just not in the way I expected. I expected, if anything, I would have a problem with the age difference between. Tom Hanks's character and his love interest in the movie because technically there is a love interest situation and Tom Hanks is obviously an adult but he's supposed to be playing a 12 year old boy basically trapped in a grown man's body so I was like is this gonna weird me out with this like romance but it, it actually didn't and I credit that to Tom Hanks's acting also the thing I wanted to bring up is probably one of the reasons I avoided this movie as well there are a lot of these types of movies. Sure. Where kids become adults. Maybe not at the time, but it's become more frequent. You know, you have your Freaky Fridays. You have 13 going on 30. You have all these random ones that have popped up through time. And most of the time, the issue is the adult can't act like a kid. Yeah, it's like really corny and not believable, maybe. But surprisingly that's not really an issue here no <laughs> tom hanks does a great job of acting like a 12 year old boy he actually was nominated for an oscar in 1989 for his role in this film he actually won a golden globe but he was only nominated for the oscar he lost that oscar to dustin hoffman and rain man as well as the screenplay was nominated as well for an oscar and lost to rain man so you know rain man kind of took over that year i think if i'm remembering correctly uh rightfully so it's a good movie but big is friggin awesome yeah big is a really good movie if you haven't seen it i recommend that you do let's get into some preliminary fun facts yes, let's do it uh this movie was directed by penny marshall the infamous penny marshall she did several films, including A League of Their Own. She was Laverne in Laverne and Shirley. And uh, connecting with uh, Shoot the Flick, she played the master's wife in Hocus Pocus. Down, pudding face. Shove it, Satan. With her brother, Gary Marshall, who played the devil in that movie. Uh, feel free to check out our Hocus Pocus review. It is quite entertaining if i do say so myself now there were a lot of really famous directors that turned down this movie 
John Landis, Steven Spielberg, Richard Donner, Frank Oz, Ivan Reitman, Amy Heckerling, who did Wayne's World, which you also reviewed, and of course, the great John Hughes all turned down this movie <laughs> for other reasons. Who knows? And uh, because of that, Penny Marshall became the first female director to do a film that grossed over $100 million. So, all very good. Yeah, Penny Marshall. I, I don't think any of those directors were hurting after this. No, no, <laughs> definitely not. But like, if anything, I should say, not fuck you, but thank you for paving the way for Penny Marshall to be the shit. This movie was written by uh, two writers that this was their first feature, one of whom was Gary Ross and one of whom is Anne Spielberg, who just happens to be Steven Spielberg's sister. Ah, nepotism. And it was an Oscar-nominated screenplay, so that's a good thing. The, the movie was a smashing success with an $18 million budget and a $152 million gross with a Rotten Tomato critic score of 97%, which, I mean, I get it because yeah. it's dope. It's, it's a great movie all around. Everybody's believable. It's honestly surprisingly more heartfelt than I thought it was going to be. Ah, interesting. Again... I think everybody does a great job. It's a good coming-of-age kind of story, too. It's got, like, a bunch of different... Like, honestly, you could probably throw some rom-com in there. You can throw some coming-of-age. Yeah. Like, adventure. Like, it's... it's sure, sure, Everything sure, sure, kind of sure. adds to this wonderful gumbo of a movie. <laughs> That's how you know we're married, babe, because as you were saying that sentence, I was like, ah, oh, it's a gumbo, and you said gumbo. <laughs> And of course, I, I do also appreciate this movie, and Scott did as well, because it was filmed throughout New York and New Jersey, so it was like a little taste of home <laughs> in our in our system. Um, but last but not least, I want to mention before we get into the nitty-gritty here, uh, like a lot of movies uh, that really popped off in the 80s and 90s, there is a musical of Big that was on Broadway. They had 193 performances throughout the year of 1996, and uh, it was nominated for five Tony Awards and lost most of them to Rent. <laughs> but I, I have not listened to this soundtrack yet. I, I plan to, despite the fact that it's got kind of eh reviews and uh, at the time lost a, a good deal of money. So <laughs> it's not looking promising, but if there's any songs in the soundtrack that sound halfway decent, I'll put one here. And if you heard a Rent song instead, that means that all the other songs sucked in the big soundtrack. So you're welcome for the Rent song. Anyway, Scott, are you ready to get into the nitty gritty of this film? I am ready. Alrighty, so we start off by meeting uh, our main character, Josh Baskin. The young version of him is played by David Moscow, who the only thing I knew him from is Newsies. Uh, from 92 he's the king of new york yeah yeah for sure um we also meet billy his best friend who is played by jared rushton who again i only knew him from one other film and that's honey i shrunk the kids which came out the following year uh, he was the kid that was obsessed with the ant the b giant ant who was uh, like his yes. bff so these bffs are 12 year old little boys 
and they show their best friendness by hanging out all the time, playing stickball, uh, singing a funny song, which we'll talk about, and um, talking about <laughs> girls because they're yeah, at that age. You know, they're macking on girls, even though they're twelve and they have no idea what the fuck they're talking about. They go to this carnival, and Josh tries to go on this roller coaster, and he's too short. And he gets embarrassed by the hot chick in school. So he ends up getting pissed off and walking off. And he finds this fortune teller machine called a Zolta machine. And um, basically you have to like stick a coin in there and it has to like fall into the fortune teller guy's mouth and then you get a wish or whatever. It's the devil. I guess so. And Josh wishes to be big and a little card comes out saying your wish is granted. Then he looks over and sees that the machine is unplugged. <gasps> devil. <laughs> he sold his time to the devil. So he wakes up the next morning. He goes home, right, in his little 12-year-old boy pajamas. And he wakes up the next morning and he's Tom Hanks. Grown-ass Tom Hanks. Yes, and he's now stark naked except for his underwear, which magically grew with him. Yeah, well, you know, this this is a kid's movie, Scott. <laughs> what, we don't want to see Tom Hanks' dong just flapping around? No, I don't think we do. We, I, I don't think we do. We got Tom Hanks' piss face in Green Mile. We couldn't get Tom Hanks' piss face I mean, this, face that's, this is 10 years before Green Mile, by the way. So, I mean, he's a little baby face, Tom Hanks, at this point. <laughs> But yeah, he wakes up, of course, we have the, the common trope of the narrow miss. Like, he walks by his mother, who narrowly doesn't see that he's an adult now. Yeah, and he goes, he sneaks out, and he goes back to the carnival, where the carnival was, to try to find the machine, and it's all cleared out and gone, so he's like, oh, shit. All right, I gotta go home and try to explain this to my mom. And this is where we get to, like, the difference in perspective i had watching this movie again after so many years um i feel so bad for the mom in this movie <laughs> because okay he goes home right josh goes home and it, in mom's perspective it's just some weird grown-ass man walking into her house and <laughs> saying that he's her son and like he's like trying to convince her that he's Josh so he's saying all these like intimate details about himself and like he pulls down his pants at one point he's like look I have a birthmark behind my knee and she pulls out a kitchen knife and it's like what did you do to my son and <laughs> it was like a badass thing but then he just runs out and is gone in the wind and she thinks her son has been kidnapped throughout the rest of the movie the police are called there there's an investigation supposedly even though we really get nothing of that at all in this movie except at one point there's a milk carton with child version of josh's face on it but other than that all of this shit that's happening in this movie is through Tom Hanks' perspective, and we'll, we'll obviously get to all the plot. But just remember in the back of your mind, while all this stuff's happening, Josh's mom is at home probably, like, trying not to throw herself off the roof. <laughs> like, just kill, like, go insane. Do you ever think, so, in the future, way after this movie would have ever existed, mm -hmm. when Josh does finally grow up and become Tom Hanks... Because I assume he would just grow up into Tom Hanks. Right, yeah. Do you think the mother ever has, like, war flashbacks? Oh, very possibly. It's like the same concept. Like, people talk about uh, in Back to the Future. 
when the parents get together in Back to the Future and have a son that looks like their friend Marty back in the 50s, it's like confusing to them. <laughs> and it's like, wait, how did they never put that together? <laughs> so after that whole shit show with his mom, he then goes to the school and hides in the closet of like the gym waiting for his best friend Billy to come into the gym and be like try to convince him like he's like I fucking need help and I what I really like about this movie is like like you never question once throughout this whole movie even when Josh begins to act more like an adult later on that that Josh is a kid in a grown-ass man's body like Tom Hanks kills this role from the very beginning but even the other little kid Billy like his reaction to this grown man like saying he's his best friend he's like crying and it's just so realistic and then it goes into like one of the better scenes in the movie where he's just like trying to convince billy that he's josh so he goes into the song that they do (laughs) together and then only they know supposedly uh it's it's such a great song and i've been singing it in my head like on and off since we watched the movie down down baby down down the roller coaster sweet sweet baby sweet sweet don't let me go shimmy shimmy coco bop shimmy shimmy rock shimmy shimmy coco bop shimmy shimmy rock i met a girlfriend a tisket she said a tisket a biscuit ice cream soda puff and then on the top who walking down the street ten times a week i met it i said it i stole my mama's credit i'm cool i'm hot suck you in the stomach three more times the mom billy everybody who sees older josh reacts like you would react right yeah absolutely and josh acting like a 12 year old makes total sense because a 12 year old how are you going to explain this yeah and not sound like a psychopath oh i made a wish on a random devil machine in the middle of a carnival became an adult yeah well it's funny because at the end of the movie not to skip too far ahead but at the end of the movie his love interest because he had tried to tell his love interest at one point the truth and she didn't really believe him and then at the end of the movie she's like well even if i believe that how would i know that that's like what the fuck (laughs) how would i actually believe that and it's like you know that's fair (laughs) no one would know it's such it's insanity yeah it's such a ridiculous premise but everyone acts it so well yeah exactly so billy finally does believe that josh is josh and their plan is for josh because they're again the police are all at his house and shit so he can't go home so billy and josh decide okay josh you need to rent a motel room in the city and lay low for a while um until we can figure out where that zoltar machine is and this scene too was great he's in this like flop house and it's a total nightmare again every movie either presents new york city as Ah. A city of lights, concrete jungle (laughs) where dreams are made of. Or this is like the depths of hell and the worst of the worst and scummy and gross and dirty and filthy and ew, I'm going to die. Look, gunshots, gunshots everywhere. It's New York (laughs) and LA. They're the same portrayal. Yeah, exactly. There's a great scene too with Tom Hanks where he's in the hotel room and he's Billy leaves and he's by himself, which by the way, this 12 year old kid now has to go by himself back home through the city and everything. Billy's parents don't give a fuck about him. I don't understand it. But anyway, so Josh is alone in this motel room and he keeps hearing people arguing in the motel and gunshots out the window and he's all by himself. And it's just like so 
relatable like if you were like a 12 year old kid and you were totally by yourself you would kind of freak out and he's just kind of like crying like but you can tell it's a kid crying and not a grown man you know what i mean yeah it's just like it's so oh yeah the way tom hanks real (laughs) the way tom hanks like throws himself onto the bed yeah i know we've said it a bunch of times in this episode but it can't be understated you have to sell this and a lot of adults i don't think can sell this yeah so the next day, Josh and Billy, they go to, like, City Hall, and they file a request for information on the carnivals in the area. I, I, I don't know why or how one would do this, but the movie has to happen. We got to find this machine, so we go to the City Hall and file a request, quote-unquote. I don't know. Well, I guess you would have to, as a carnival, just logistically, you'd have to have you have a to have permit. permits. Yeah, right, exactly. But uh, anyway... The people at City Hall say it takes six weeks to process the request. So they're like, uh-oh, what do we do? Well, Josh, I guess you got to get a job. Wah, wah, wah. So <laughs> he eventually does get hired as a data entry clerk at McMillan Toy Company, which is like the perfect place for a kid to work because toys, right? Huh? <laughs> yeah, which is hysterical because he gives them a social security number. And the guy goes, you're missing a couple numbers. Oh, uh... 12. Zero 12. Yeah. And the guy's like, oh, okay. Yeah, the logistics of this movie, again, is like a thing as an adult. You're like, hmm. But don't don't think about it. It's fine. But it, It's fine. But the worst part of this movie is John Lovitz. Oh, no. Our boy John Lovitz. Uh, he plays a, a worker at this company named Scotty, oddly enough. Yeah. He was, I mean, if you don't know who John Lovitz is, he was an SNL regular uh, throughout the 80s and... He was also in A League of Their Own, which was directed by Penny Marshall. But yeah, he's he just plays like a skis ball and he's there for some little comic uh, relief, I he, guess. He's just distracting. Like, I don't know. He's not that. He's only in like two or three scenes yeah, in the but whole every, movie. Yeah, but every time he shows up, like when we get to, there's a party scene later and he's basically like sniffing a girl. Oh, yeah. He tells her to smell his neck. Yeah, it's just like. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty, pretty gross. And it's just like. He's the only character I'm like, if this was like Phil Hartman, I feel like this would have been better. A little bit classier, yeah. But we weren't looking for classy with John Lovitz. Yeah, <laughs> we were true. looking for skeezy. Yeah. So we, we meet some other people at this company, McMillan Toy Company. Uh, we meet McMillan himself, who's played by Robert Loja. Um, and every time I think of Robert Loja, I think of the Family Guy bit, which I will play here. R as in Robert Loja. O as in, oh my God, it's Robert Loja. B as in, by God, that's Robert Loja. E as in, everybody loves Robert Loja. That's all I see him as. Like, I can't... <laughs> I'm sorry, Robert Loja. I know you've done movies and shit, but that's all I see you as. <laughs> L for, look, it's Robert Loja. <laughs> um, but we also meet uh, a couple of his associates. We get... Paul, who essentially is our antagonist of the movie. Yeah, kind of. Like. I mean, he's the closest thing we have to an antagonist. He does not like Josh. Uh, he, he is annoyed by him and his boyish innocence. But he's played by John Hurd. He is probably most known as the dad in Home Alone, which was two years after this movie. Arguably one of the worst fathers in movie history. I mean, well, in movie history, I don't know. But he's he's not great. Because, you know, I, w- I watched Home Alone recently because, you know, Christmas time, right? And 
Sky watched the second one with me also. But yeah, it's funny because when Macaulay Culkin goes missing in those movies and everyone's like, oh, Kevin, the mom at least feels bad. And she's like, oh, I'm such a terrible mother. What have I done? And the dad's just like, Kevin, you spent $900 on room service. Like, dude, you had enough money to take yourself and all of your fucking 12 kids and nieces and nephews to fucking Paris. So that costs a pretty penny. And you're worried about fucking $900 when you left your kid abandoned in an airport and he went to New York for days. Like, calm down. Calm down, sir. Not only that, just because now we're on the side topic. They should not have their children. Okay. The home alone (laughs) parents should have their children taken away. If you you can't fucking manage six, seven kids and don't have six or seven kids that's the end of my rant go ahead scott <laughs> not only that if you t- listen to home alone and home alone 2 they take place within a calendar year yes he forgot his child twice, twice in a calendar year it's really repulsive <laughs> it's really disgusting but anyway this is a better movie i'm putting that on god right now Big is a better movie than Home Alone. Oh, fucking God. fight me. Oh, God. Fucking fight. I don't think anyone's really going to fight me over that. But if they do, <laughs> fucking fight me. Come I'm at here. Us. Come at us on Twitter. I'm ready. Anyway, Jesus Christ. <laughs> uh, we also meet our love interest to be Susan, played by Elizabeth Perkins. Scott, when we were watching this movie, was like, why do I know who that is? Who is that? And I was like, well, she kind of does give off like a Susan Sarandon vibe. A little bit. So maybe that's what it is. But also, she played Wilma in the Flintstones movie with John Goodman back in 94. So, yeah, that's what I know her from. But she's great in this movie. She plays a badass corporate bitch. But, like, the character type that is Susan in this movie is essentially a better version of every stupid Hallmark movie female character in like a Christmas Hallmark movie. Like I'm a corporate queen and I love business, but I don't know what it's like to, you know, let my hair down and I need a good man to, you know, show me what it's like to be young and wild and free again. That's basically. Well, yeah, but also she portrays this in such a way where, you understand how she got here. She's a female executive in the 80s. She had to claw her way to the top. And clearly by John Hurt's definition, she clawed her way to the top by sleeping her way to the top. But like... Yeah, that was a yucky scene. Because apparently Susan and Paul are kind of sort of in a relationship. But he's just a total dickbag. And like when she breaks up with him eventually in the movie... He just basically calls her a slut. It's just a nasty scene. but It is, but you also understand because in the world of the 80s, it, it was hard for women. It was hard to get ahead and get to this point where she's gotten to, probably. Oh, yeah, yeah, of course. Because, God forbid, she does try to reach out to Robert Loggia at one point and be like, hey, I have this idea to do this, this, this. And Robert Loggia like, Susan, just go have a drink. Yeah, it's a party, Susan. Calm down. but yeah so we have josh at his job and we have all the players here at mcmillan toy company we get some uh you know fun little bits throughout (laughs) the well i shouldn't say fun little bits because there's one bit where josh calls home to his mom oh god now as a child this scene did not phase me in the same way but just all the adults listening 
Just tune into what I'm saying, okay? This woman thinks her child has been kidnapped. There has been no updates or news in like at least a week, right? It's been like a week or two, right? So she's freaking out, right? She gets a call from this random guy that she thinks kidnapped her son. And he's just like, oh, he's going to be fine. He's a great kid. Don't worry about him. She don't fucking know this guy. So (laughs) she's like, I want to talk to my son. He's like, well, he can't come to the phone right now. That's not concerning. Then he goes, just ask me something that only he would know. And I'll tell you. And she says, what song did I used to sing to him as a little boy? So then Josh proceeds to sing The Way We Were by Barbara Streisand. (laughs) And he's just singing this Barbara Streisand song in the middle of the office. And the mom bursts into tears on the phone. And he's just like, oh, my God, you're torturing this woman. Hang up. Like, this is so bad. Not only that. It's so bad. Not only that. So he calls from his job. Right. Yes. You brought this up. (laughs) Nothing logical makes sense. But go ahead. Say, say. He calls from his job. And if the mom goes to the police he goes the kidnapper called me can you look up my goddamn phone records it's so ridiculous <laughs> you would find out hey this guy made a call from mcmillan toys in mm. new york city mm. yeah just we're gonna talk more about it as we go along but yeah logically a lot of things in this movie don't make sense when you think about it like at one point, you know, fucking Josh ends up renting a place and like he gets paychecks and like so he's using someone else's social. He's committing identity fraud is what he's doing. And then he, you know, there's again, no mention of any police investigation. If a fucking little white boy got kidnapped <laughs> and was gone for like weeks there would be you know fucking something on the tv there'd be something right no and josh baskin isn't a like a common name you know baskin is not a common last name so also one person if one person in that company just turned on the tv and there was one news report saying oh 12 year old boy joshua baskin is missing and was kidnapped from his home they would be like this uh grown man stole the identity of this <laughs> of this kidnapped boy what the fuck one point because I, I do want to counter that is at one point we, when we do see the milk carton mm-hmm. it's in susan's apartment and we're like oh even if susan looked at it and, go, and saw the picture and he goes oh josh baskin she would probably just go oh that's a weird coincidence and then p- proceed to drink her milk i don't know if she would i think she would think that she stole this like possibly dead kids identity i don't think they would because it's just such a it's so it'd be like just a weird fucking coincidence it's just weird the whole it's just logically but then you think about like how is this guy getting paid how he has a bank account he buys things well, and like well I, I assume he gets it gets cash because he does they do but show he gets the check they go to the bank and he cashes a check yeah, but yeah, but he gets cash, so uh-huh. he, he just he just gives the bank the check, and they give him cash. So it's like a check cash place. It's very sketchy, the whole thing. But yeah, let's get to the most iconic scene in the film that I feel like everybody knows about. Josh goes to FAO Schwartz, which is a pretty infamous toy store in New York City, and he sees McMillan there. Robert Loja is at FAO Schwartz. And they start talking about 
the toy biz. And because Robert Loja seems like one of those CEOs that actually gives a fuck about what he's doing. He's like, you know, I just want kids to like my shit. And, you know, I feel like I'm losing touch with the youths, as Joe Pesci would say. And, uh, you know, Josh is like talking to him about different toys and what like kids like and don't like and blah, blah, blah. And they come across a giant piano thingy, like a foot piano. And then, of course, Josh starts, you know, doing his steps. From what I remember reading, I believe that before doing the scene, they had uh, stunt doubles that were going to do the scene for them because they play chopsticks on the big foot piano. And Robert Loja and Tom Hanks were like, no, 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 no. We want to do this ourselves. So they like purposely learned it and they did a great job. It's like an awesome scene. And they go through all of chopsticks and they play the whole thing. And it's really cute. And a crowd forms and they all clap for him. It's like a really cute scene. It, it is funny because there are some kids in the background who clearly like this is like, oh, I'm, I get to be in a movie because they literally like almost like ham up like they move around in the background you're like yeah we couldn't control the kids for this uh. oh yeah tom hanks almost ran over a kid at one point during that scene i was like (laughs) get your kid lady (laughs) but yeah because of this real uh you know connection that mcmillan and josh make in the sequence robert loja decides he's gonna promote josh to vice president of toy development now (laughs) he's been here a week i know this because in the next scene paul who's our john hurd character who's kind of like the villain of the movie he proceeds to scream very loudly he's been here a week how is he promoted (laughs) which like yeah he's the antagonist so like fuck him but also like yeah no how did this happen that doesn't make any sense (laughs) as everyone likes to say it's not who you know it's who you blow. Exactly. <laughs> oh, did we miss that scene? <laughs> but yeah, they go to like this big marketing pitch meeting with a bunch of senior executives. And Josh just makes Paul look like a total idiot throughout the whole meeting. Because he's, he's pitching this toy, which admittedly is really stupid. It's like a transformer, but it goes from a building, a skyscraper, to a, a robot. To a robot. And it just doesn't make... It's so stupid. And then... Josh just keeps raising his hand like he's in class and he's like, I don't get it. Well, what don't you get? It's a building. What's fun about playing with a building? (laughs) That's exactly. It's like, yeah, no, like legit. (laughs) Well, that's exactly right. Because if you think about just the Transformers, because they do reference them here. They are robots in disguise. They are robots in disguise. But like, you don't have to play with them as just the robots. They can turn into a car and you can play with the car. Like they're dual functional. You're not going to play with a goddamn building. So, yeah. Now that Josh is, like, killing it at this toy company job, and we're kind of at the halfway mark, I guess, uh, I think now's a good time to talk about one of our favorite segments of this show. <gasps> the, the Cats Could Have Been. If, we, if you've never been here before, Cast Could Have Been is where we talk about just what it sounds like. People that could have, should have, would have maybe been in the cast. In an alternate dimension. Yes, people who were considered for different roles. Now, uh, I really only have stuff for, for Josh here. Well, he's the only one that kind of... That really matters, right. He, he makes and breaks the movie, right? But I just... I, I had such an interesting thing that I saw, and I didn't know this before doing research, so I found it very interesting. 
Now, Tom Hanks was the first choice for Josh Baskin. Rightly so. But at first, he was unavailable due to scheduling conflicts. So they they tried to go another way. (laughs) After Tom Hanks declined, Robert De Niro was offered the role of Josh Baskin. And the writers began to retool the script for a more, quote-unquote, urban 13-year-old boy. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. It would basically have been a Bronx Tale, which, by the way, we did a review on a Bronx Tale, but if Robert De Niro was, like, the main kid character. Yeah, but I can't... Even if you made it more gritty, because you would almost have to, I can't see De Niro... You can't picture this script. Well, Let's say that. I can't picture the script, but I also can't see De Niro playing... A kid. A kid. Trapped in a man's... Trapped in Robert De Niro's body. (laughs) I can see Pesci doing it. A li- like uh, if you had to choose like a, a random guy like that was of Robert De Niro's ilk. Yeah, I could see Pesci playing that more than De Niro. Yeah, because the thing is, if you think about it, right, both Robert De Niro and Joe Pesci, since we're using those two as a uh, comparison, they've both done comedic roles, but Joe Pesci has done genuinely like silly humor. comedic role. Right, Robert De Niro when he's done humorous roles. His humor that he brings to the table is he's like deadpan. Like think of Meet the yeah. Parents. Like he's deadpan he's while the sh- all this crazy shit is happening around him. You yeah, know he, what I mean? He's the straight man. Exactly. So that yeah, you're right. When you think of it that way, it, it, that's why it sounds so fucking weird when you think about it. Because it's like I don't know if that makes sense. But um, ultimately, De Niro was rejected anyway because he demanded a six million dollar salary. Yep. Uh, which was way too damn high. This rent is way too damn high. Oh, yeah. Hanks then became available and accepted the role for $2 million, so significantly cheaper. But um, other people were considered for the role in the meantime. We have some some standards that we always mention when we do these cast could have We have the John Travolta, the Harrison uh-huh. Ford. Uh-huh. Let's see. We got Steve Gutenberg, Dennis okay. Quaid. Gutenberg, I can see a little. He's the best one you've said so far for this role. Yeah, because he's goofy. Bill Murray. Yeah, there we that go. That would have been a good one. Judge Reinhold, which yeah. yeah. Michael Keaton. I that would have been. Great. That would have been fun. John Goodman. That also would have been cute. It would have been very interesting. I would like Goodman. Jeff Bridges. Okay. Um, Kevin Costner, which uh, no, no, we've talked about Kevin Costner before. I I don't I don't mind the man, but he's very bland. <laughs> that kind of rhymed. I don't mind the man, but he's very bland. Indeed. Robin Williams, which would have been dope as fuck. Yeah, it would have been the character we've all seen before, though. True, true. I mean, it basically would have been him and Hook, kind of. Yeah, basically. And then last but not least, Gary Busey was considered yeah <laughs> which would have been <laughs> insane <laughs> well it would have been before the accident i mean still even before the accident gary Busey was like yeah he was still a little unhinged yeah <laughs> but yeah ultimately like we've been saying i think tom hanks really just knocks it out of the park i'm surprised somebody like eddie murphy wasn't considered yeah, Eddie Murphy would have been good too, because he's got that he's he's got that ability to balance like silly and earnest, and like yeah. more serious. Like, yeah, you go more in the SNL kind of route, like him. I think this is a little early for Farley. Yeah, I mean, if you did it today, Andy Samberg would probably be a good pick. Oh, Andy Samberg would have been a great pick. 
Because it would literally just be his character from fucking Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Yeah, basically. He's basically a kid just playing police officer every episode. But yeah, I, I think we killed it with Tom Hanks. I think pretty much all his movies, even if his movies aren't great, some of them... He does great in them, you know what I mean? Yeah. Except I now mind you, I haven't watched Elvis yet. I've seen the trailer for Elvis and he Tom Hanks looks like the fucking penguin in that movie. I'm not looking forward to watching it. That's the only movie of all his filmography mm-hmm. that I've ever heard anybody go, Yeah, Tom Hanks was bad for this role. Yeah, I I also agree with that. Yeah, that's true. He literally when I saw the trailer, first of all, I've heard that his accent in that movie is like all over the place. But also he looks like the fucking penguin. He looks like how Colin Farrell looks like the penguin in the fucking Batman movie. (laughs) I'm like, oh, no. Oh, I'm not looking forward to watching that, honestly. No, but we're going to have to watch it because Austin Butler is going to get fucking nominated. I know. God, okay. <laughs> um, anyway, let's get back to the movie, shall we? Let us do it. So we're cutting to now a company party, a company shindig for Macmillan Toys. Our boy Josh shows up in a bedazzled white tuxedo oh with God. tails and all, it, and it's great. It looks amazing. It does bring up Dumb and Dumber vibes. Yeah, it definitely does. But it still looks great. There's one particular moment in this sequence that I remember like vividly as a child watching it and it's when there's like all these hors d'oeuvres everywhere and he picks up a little baby corn and starts eating it like a real corn on the cob (laughs) and I was like I was it's still fucking funny man it's still funny today well that him Taking the shrimp, eating the shrimp, putting the putting tail, the tail down, back, eating the shrimp, putting another tail back. Oh my god! Yeah, it's just some of the humor in here, like definitely is kiddish, like fish out of water type stuff. But the reason that that doesn't get old is because a Tom Hanks is so earnest in his performance, and b because it's that's not all of what the humor is. No, and like what makes this movie good is that like Tom Hanks really is kind of killing the coming of age part of this whole story well he's killing it but he's also bringing robert loja susan he's bringing them to a point where they're actually like remembering what it's like to have fun and not be stuffy business types yeah like this movie is genius because it not only appeals to the kids in the way that like you can connect with kid josh but it appeals to the adults because they can also connect with the actual adult characters and also with josh as someone who's maybe like stuck between kid and adult you know what i mean like it's it's like transition it's fucking genius in that way yeah it really is fucking penny marshall man killing the game (laughs) so susan approaches josh and like chats him up and he basically like helps her let her hair down essentially like they leave the party together and they go riding in the limo and they stick their heads out of the sunroof and like have fun and then they go to fucking josh's swanky apartment which by the way this made me mad (laughs) as someone who used to live in new york and would have loved to have an apartment in new york oh yeah uh like josh's it's like a fucking like top floor like studio apartment now that would cost like two thousand dollars a month if not more probably a lot more yeah like it's, it's insane 
it's swanky as fuck though it's got like a fucking soda machine in there it's got arcade games it's got a trampoline in there and there's like the cutest sequence where he kind of gets her to jump up and down on the trampoline and they have fun like laughing and yucking it up on the trampoline i would love to have a trampoline in my house Oh, That'd God. be fucking fun. Dangerous as fuck, though. Like, fun. <laughs> I know. At one point, I was expecting one of them to hit their head on the ceiling. <laughs> but anyway, they start to really dig each other. He gives her, like, a toy ring. He's like, oh, I like you here to have a toy glow-in-the-dark ring. Oh, yeah. He's like, oh, that's so cute. Oh, there, there, there's a line here. It's so good because she's like, oh, yeah, they, they, they talk about sleeping over. Oh, God. And... <laughs> Tom Hanks goes, okay, well, I get to be top. Oh, yeah, because he has bunk beds. So <laughs> That's the thing, too. That's what I was worried about going into this. I'm like, oh, this is going to be weird watching this now because it's like she's an adult. And even though she doesn't know he's a kid, he is a kid trapped in a man's body. So it's like, oh, it's going to be weird. But, like, it's so wholesome. Well, there's only one real sexual scene that they show what do you they have sex well no they have sex but like they don't show it like they show well they show hold on they show her taking her shirt off she's in a bra and he's grabbing her boobie yes that again when you're 12 to 13 (laughs) that's all you want to do just grab titties (laughs) all right fair enough i guess um so yeah josh and susan are like into each other and paul's a little jealous there's this whole sequence where he takes Josh to play squash at like a public park and they like get into this fucking knockdown drag out fight. <laughs> it's really funny. Which, by the way, because he does punch Josh in the face at the end of it. Child abuse. Well, not only child abuse, but also the fact that you just assaulted a man over a game of squash. Oh, yeah. Well, because Josh is like, you're a cheater. No, 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 no. And then they start like literally brawling on the fucking park like ground. I'm like, oh, this is great. Yeah, no. But jo- John Hurt plays it so like seriously. It's just 10 times more funny. It's under the line. You said it had to be over the line on a surf. No, I didn't. Yeah, you did. You said it had to be over the line on a surf. No, I did not. Now give me the goddamn ball. Well, that's cheating. Give me the goddamn ball, will you? No, give me the ball, you little shit. So yeah, uh, Josh and Susan are into each other. They go on like a cute little date together at Fry Playland, which made me laugh because I was like, ah, Fry Playland, I've been there. So Scott, yes, I have. <laughs> it's it's funny. We have we have memories there. Oh yes, we do. Um, so they're they're dating Josh and Susan. They have their first kiss and stuff. They do eventually have sex, and again, it, it, despite the age difference, it is. It does come off very pure and sweet and wholesome, which is hard to do in the situation like that, but they pull it off. So, I mean, hats off to them. Not only that, but they also have his relationship with Billy. Right. Well, I was just going to say, he kind of starts to neglect Billy a lot. Like, he ignores his calls and he, like, will ditch him to go hang out with Susan. and Which is a thing that happens. Like, this is a legit thing. As you grow up and you get, like, your first girlfriend... Your time starts to differ and maybe friends you were really close with when you, when you were younger start to, like, separate because... Yeah, I mean, what's happening is Josh is growing up, literally just growing up and just getting more and more into the adult life. And he's almost forgetting about his old life and his mom, who still, again, thinks that he's been kidnapped and is probably, like, in a basement somewhere being tortured. But it, he, Forget about that. But this might be good for him, as he says in the narration. 
Oh, God. Yeah, he writes her a letter, too, at one point. This is, like, torturous for this poor mother. She probably calls the police, like, the kidnapper sent a letter. And they, like, have it analyzed and shit. And it's so, it's so weird. Anyway, he sends her a letter that says, like, oh, it's, like, camp, you know, being here with my kidnapper. He's, like, going through Stockholm Syndrome in her mind, in the mom's mind, you know. It's, it's really... In that way, this movie is framed for kids because it's like, oh, don't worry about your mom. She's fine. Just go on this adventure. It's fine. It's okay. Ignore the fucking trauma you're causing. But we do see in the date scene at Rye Playland, we do see that the Zoltar machine is there and they miss it. Oh, yes. The time devil is watching. Oh, always watching, Wazowski. Always watching. So uh, eventually, Billy does get the information about the Zoltar machine in the mail. And after kind of being blown off by Josh a, a number of times, he just shows up at his office like, here's the information. Let's fucking get this done. And um, Josh is conflicted about it. He gets in a big fight with Billy, which is really sad, the, the fight with Billy. <laughs> It's like sad but also funny because Josh literally sounds like a grown up at this point, like scolding Billy. And it's like, he then turns around. He's like, Who the fuck do you think you are? And it's like, Oh shit. And then he's like, Billy goes, uh, I'm, I'm two months older than you, asshole. <laughs> it hurts, but it's also funny. It's just, it's so well done. It really is just yeah. on all bases. Like, I, I can't applaud this movie enough. But uh, Josh is conflicted about it and he tries to tell Susan the truth, but she takes it as like he's afraid of commitment. He's like, I'm a kid. And she's like, okay, fine, Josh, you're a kid. Like, what do you want from me? Okay, I get it. You're not ready for that. And he's like, no, literally, I'm a, I'm a child. Like, I'm I don't know what to tell. And he's like, I made a wish on a magic machine. And she's like, what the fuck are you saying? But they're planning this basically what is the first video game idea to pitch to the company and finally they go in for the pitch and josh just kind of fucking bolts yeah that was a really good scene too they're in the pitch meeting and josh just like gets really sullen and leaves like oh excuse me and then he leaves to go and then susan is like left to kind of pick up the bag and finish this meeting out and then, of course, Paul is there in the corner being a dick, and she's, like, going back and forth with him, and then she's like, oh, well, I think a kid would do the... And she's like, wait, a kid? Hmm. Wait a minute. Who are you? Oh, shit. Oh. <laughs> Have I been fucking a kid for the past two weeks? That's unfortunate. So... <laughs> Josh goes off to go to Rye Playland to find the machine. She goes after him... And yeah, it's it's really sad. Like, cause she at no point, by the way, after she finds out that he's a child, he she in no way is like inappropriate at all with him. She's just like, you don't just leave somebody like that. He's like, I try to tell you, and she's like, but you know, like, how could I possibly believe that? <laughs> like, yeah, there's like no, it doesn't even make sense. But like, okay, I believe you now. And before he turns back into a kid, he's like, oh, I wish I forgot this part. He says to her, well, you know, you could come with me and like motions to the machine. Like you could wish to be a kid and be a kid with me. And she's like, oh, no, no, I'm not doing that shit again. Well, <laughs> Which like same girl. Like, I I don't I don't blame you. <laughs> well, it's also funny because like she goes and she asks him like, oh, 
I, yeah, I remember doing this and this and this. And he's like, um, and she's like, you don't have any of those memories. Yeah, exactly. So she kind of like sadly drives him home and gives him a little goodbye kiss in the car. But apparently in the script originally, it was supposed to be a kiss on the cheek. Elizabeth Perkins made a point to be like, can I do the kiss on the forehead instead? Which I can get that. I mean, at least they didn't do it where like they kissed on the lips because that might be a little questionable. Yeah. But I I get what Elizabeth Perkins probably was thinking at that point because even a kiss on the cheek is more like intimate than a kiss on the forehead, which is like, that's more of a like, oh, you sweet little boy, come here. <laughs> you yeah, know what I mean? Exactly. Uh, because she does kind of acknowledge in that scene in the car, like, you know, you really like helped me and I'm going to miss you so much. Da, da, da. And, and I'm sure in both their minds, you know, like, you know, call me in 10 years, you know, uh, yeah, yeah, you know, five, five. Well, five, five, he's 18. It's still pretty young. Yeah, but, you know, at least it's legal. Oh, geez. Anyway, it's a typical man to say that. But, yeah, he gets out of the car and she's watching him leave. And then she has this look of shock on her face and the camera goes back to Josh and he is uh, a little boy again. Well, we also get the meme. We get the meme here where he turns around and, like, waves at her and he's like... Bye. Oh boy, <laughs> so sad. But yeah, we we see once again the young David Moscow playing a young Josh, which it, it was nice to see him again. Like, oh yeah, he this is the real Josh. But um, I I don't know. I feel like for David Moscow, it's probably weird because he really is only in the very beginning and the very end of the movie. Yeah. However. To give Tom Hanks an idea of how a 13-year-old boy would behave, because by the way, he does have a birthday throughout this movie that uh, his mother still thinks he's kidnapped during his birthday. He's at a restaurant. The people are singing happy birthday to you, and the mom's probably at home crying into her chicken soup. But it's fine. It's it's fine. Yeah, the mother's probably lost like 30 pounds of like stress. <laughs> fuck anyway uh yeah so to give tom hanks an idea of how a 13 year old would behave in these situations penny marshall filmed each grown-up scene with david moscow playing tom hanks's part so tom hanks could get an idea of like certain mannerisms he had and like how he would play it and i feel like that that probably really helped tom hanks in a lot of ways to get acclimated to like the 13 year old kid's vibe yeah now granted none of those scenes are in the movie but david moscow had to basically act through the whole movie (laughs) without any of it being on film so that like kind of blows but at the same time you got to be in a pretty major movie with like tom hanks yeah i do wonder if there was like deleted scenes like if they have like some of those sure maybe they do on like a you know a blu-ray or something yeah maybe they do but you know don't worry kid in a few years you'll be in newsies which, you know... Which will be outshined by Christian Bale. Well, I don't know about that. I don't know about that. Christian Bale wasn't, like, a great singer in Newsies. No, but... And I don't know if you know, but Newsies is a musical. This Newsies is a musical, but uh, Christian Bale became a star. True, true. But Newsies popped off later on. I don't know why. Newsies was not a big thing when it first came out. I liked it fine, but... Then, like, years later, when us 90s kids became adults, we were all were like, isn't Newsies great? Let's make a freaking Broadway musical of it. Let's never let it die. And it's like, all right, <laughs> okay, there's better things we can do, but okay. So, yeah, that's big. Yeah, okay, so I do want to talk about a couple things here at the end. Sure. Real quick. Yes, please. So, 
I want everyone's reaction to when Josh just never shows up again. Oh my god, that's what well, that's what we were talking about cuz when he goes into the house at the end of the movie, the mom like bugs out and we're like what happens after this? Like like Josh just never comes back to work. Yeah, like adult Josh is just gone in the wind. And like, do they call the police for him and report him as a missing person? Does the mom call the police? Like, okay, my kidnapped son just walked in the door. I need someone to interrogate him and find out who took him and what happened. He needs to go to therapy. He's saying nothing happened and everything's fine. It's clearly latent fucking PTSD shit going on here. Like, you know, like what happens after the credits roll? Did anyone see <laughs> Susan's car when Josh? <laughs> well, that's what we said too. We're like, wouldn't it be funny when Susan pulls up if like a swarm of police officers pop out like freeze <laughs> where's the kid and it's like wait if you just wait two seconds the kid will appear don't worry <laughs> it's so fucking yeah like that's one of those movies that, like you need an epilogue like even if it's just like on college humor like you just need some kind of epilogue to like let us know like what would really happen after the credits roll <laughs> also like everybody was down for josh's like video game book idea Oh, yeah. Yeah, we, sh- we should talk about that. I remember as a kid, it sounded cool, and it does sound cool. It, it reminds me of a Telltale game, where it's like yeah. your, your, uh, your choices affect the story. Right. And it's just like, oh, you can change, you know, a DVD and go back and do your story again. And I'm like, yeah, that's basically what it is, and it's a cool fucking idea. And I'm like, and everyone seems down with it, and they're going to make fucking millions off it if they came out with it. So the Susan, like, occasionally, like, just put, like, a couple thousand dollars to the side and go yeah literally this toy company is gonna make millions of dollars off josh's idea and then when josh turns like 18 she goes hey here's a check (laughs) yeah like yeah put some money aside for you thanks for the idea (laughs) yeah that is kind of weird oh wow (laughs) so scott how did you rate the movie big i gave big a four and a half out of five it's uh again a really good story it's it blends so many different things together it's a lot of fun tom hanks does an amazing job susan does a, elizabeth perkins does a great job like everybody does well are there a couple of things that you're like huh, that's a little weird when you think about it but like overall it's an amazing movie Yes, believe it or not, I also have Big listed as a four and a half out of five stars. It is a movie I adored in my childhood, and I was worried that it wouldn't hold up in adulthood. But it did. It really did, and I was very pleased about that. Yet another Tom Hanks fucking banger. So I, I'm excited about that. I do. I think I have at least a couple more Tom Hanks movies in the pocket to want to show Scott. I know Joe versus the Volcano is one, which was a sleeper that surprised the hell out of me that I actually really love. But yeah, it was really fun to rewatch this one. Yes, it was. Okay, so our next episode will be in two weeks' time on February 8th. We have decided this season we are going to give ourselves a few little reprieves here and there to kind of give ourselves some room to breathe and that way if we ever want to come out with maybe a bonus episode here or there throughout the season we can do that but uh yeah in two weeks time we'll be out with a new episode a new disney episode baby oh yeah so exciting i'm ready to do it so until then this has been shoot the flick i'm frankie sparks and i'm scott eisenberg 
Make sure you check us out on Instagram and Twitter at Shoot the Flick and check out all our episodes on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and iHeartRadio and pretty much anywhere else you can find a podcast. And make sure you come back in two weeks for our Disney-fied, not-so-wooden movie adventure. Did you get the Did you get the hint? I, I, yeah, I got oh, the hint. Okay, good. I hope they got it too. <laughs> I also hope you got big. Down, down, baby, down by the roller coaster, sweet, sweet baby. I'll never let you go. Jimmy, Jimmy, go, go, back. Jimmy, Jimmy, back. R as in Robert Loja. T as in Tim. Look over there. It's Robert Loja. Space. L as in look. It's Robert Loja. Uh.